0: Life is full of surprises, some good, Some not so much. Hola, it's
1: honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero, we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a state farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in Safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Más en Como un buen vecino, State Farm está allí.
0: If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts,
1: yes, like wrestling with Freddie,
0: with me, Freddie prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This, this is an official download from TheCustardTV.com
1: Another week of TV means another podcast from the team at The Custard TV Podcast. Hi, hello, good morning, I'm Luke. When do you normally listen to the podcast, Matt, or don't you anymore? Because you used ah, to listen to it I your do. Commute, but you I do but...
0: I do, yeah, because I commute again now. I'm in the office, come on. Okay. I do listen to podcasts at home as well, you know, when I'm doing... Yeah chores and what have you as well, so, yeah. you know, random time, really.
1: What's it like on on the bus now? Does it feel um, different?
0: Well, it is, because there's half the seats are sort of... Cool. They're, well, they're cordoned off, you know, they put stickers and bits of cardboard on saying, please do not sit here. People still sit on those seats.
1: Oh. They don't and do they, the thing where they have mannequins or, like, people no, dressed they up. they should
0: do that, or they should yeah. just remove the seats, really, is what they should do, but yeah. there you go. And, and there are people coming on without masks, and there's people... <sighs> to, you know, wearing, and it's just, yeah, anyway, I don't want to get into a big diatribe, and as I always do, you know, I just sort of s- switch off from it, really, and have my headphones on, as I said, and just listen to my podcast.
1: Well, that's nice and topical at yeah. the beginning. What about you? you? How
0: are you? How are you?
1: Oh, uh, you've never asked me before.
0: Oh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> don't lie. I'm
1: tired today. We were just yeah, saying how too. tired we are. Ridiculous. Yeah. So we're going to so This will be a good one. This will be yeah, a good this, one. <laughs> yeah. Set your expectations low now. Yeah, as as, as moderate is, as ever, just, you know. It felt a bit like homework this week. I'll be honest, it was uh, a bit like. Uh, Can I, I leave it?
0: To... I didn't mind. I, I think the shows you know that you've picked, apart from one, were quite easy to watch. There was one that I had to pause and come back to, but which one was it? You'll have to Ooh, find out.
1: Stay with us, folks. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one.
0: Talking telly.
1: Use your ears and trust them.
0: This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com.
1: We're doing Life, which is Mike Bartlett of Dr. Foster fame. as his new BBC One drama. We've got the remake of Utopia, which finally made its way to Amazon Prime on Friday. And then uh, Evil, which is the new show from the Kings of uh, the Good Wife fame, Robert and Michelle King. They Their new show, Evil, was critically loved on CBS earlier last year. Oh, earlier this year, sorry, on uh, CBS. And it's finally available to watch on Alibi in the UK. Good so those alibi. are the three. Well, two things. Which one do you think
0: w- was the one that I had to pause and come back to of the, of the three?
1: Oh, it could be one of two. Which is weird because we've only got three shows. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm going to say it was life
0: okay have you also noticed that we that since you know we've returned for the autumn we are only covering shows that are one word long
1: yes that's what we plan to do all of <laughs> next week as well so let's talk about uh, the emmys they were held socially distanced with people receiving the awards in their homes did you see any clips of this
0: i have watched a few clips yeah hmm. yeah
1: i was Most perturbed by the amount of people who weren't socially distancing. I mean, there was a point where Zendaya, who won for Euphoria, thank goodness, her living room was full of people just sat right on top of each other, and I was thinking, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Is that her bubble? It was quite a large bubble, and her bubble must include a makeup artist. Uh, Let's do the winners, though. Succession won for Best Drama. Really pleased about that. We we hoped for that uh, last week on the podcast. Um, we hoped for better things for The Good Place, but Outstanding Comedy Series went to Shits Creek. Everything kind of, went to Shits Creek. Everything went to them. Does make me wonder. I mean, none of us know, but it does make me wonder what will be in the comedy section this time next year when The Good Place is now gone. Uh, Shits Creek is all finished, so what will fill the void i've got no idea maybe better things needs to be back yeah in the comedy awards is maybe.
0: there a fifth season coming though because the fourth yes. one will have been in this in this run so it's a
1: fifth season but like everything who knows when that will no go.
0: and is there like a new barry or a new mrs mazel or
1: yeah they've both been recommissioned yeah just no idea when they're all <laughs> getting off the ground yeah,
0: mm. and, and Glow should be sometime soon as well, shouldn't it? The last Glow, so who knows when... The, as you say, who knows when things are on, but they, those are the ones that we know are are coming back, so... Um, mm. But it, I, I suppose, you know, we, we were saying last week, usually what the Emmys does is sort of split the categories, so, say, you know, Shits Creek won comedy, then would it be The Good Place winning some of the mm. acting
1: awards...
0: Yeah. You know, uh, and I don't think anyone expected it to win across the board. I know we were no. saying that we would like the Writing Award, for example, to go to one of the What We Do in the Shadows episodes that was that was nominated. The oddest choice was the supporting actor in a drama, which went to um, uh, Billy, Billy Crudup. Crudup for The Morning Show, which I think we did review, but that review never made it onto a
1: podcast. No, I don't know why that <laughs> is. And from what I've heard, people are saying that it it's a show that is really rocky in its opening episodes and then matures into something quite special. But if you look at the cast there of Succession... I would have thought one of them was, yeah. was destined for...
0: I, I don't know how the voting sort of works, but maybe they just sort of cancelled each other out, you know, got the mm. same amount of votes. Because I, I remember of watching The Morning Show, the t- the two performances I liked were Billy Crudup and Mark Duplass. They were the two that, that stood out to me. And um, who who won Supporting Actress in a Drama? Oh, it's Julia, uh, Garner, Julia Garner. wasn't it? Yeah, again. Ozark. Who yeah. we like, but I know. No, I mean, no. I've only I've only watched one episode of Ozark. I don't. You've not watched many, but are very dismissive no. of it, as mm. as you often are with things you've only watched one episode of. Uh, That's
1: how the podcast works. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, and.
0: <laughs> basically watchmen's more or yeah. less wet that that limited series uh, you but, must and,
1: be pleased with uzo aduba though, i am for-
0: yeah yeah i think she uh, you know as i said she was the, one of the standouts for me in uh, mrs america and she was very sort of transformative in that and i think she gave a good speech there as well
1: but I- we'll start with amazon's utopia because Utopia, as you know, it was in our top 50 shows of the decade, really high up. It's one we've always championed. It's one of the it most...
0: was in my Desert Island dramas. It
1: was, yeah. And it's one of the most exciting, innovative, visually stunning shows the UK has ever made, I would say. So certainly in the time we've been making this podcast, there's been nothing <laughs> that rivals Utopia in in terms of storytelling, visual graded you know everything about yeah it is I mean so it, it, unique.
0: I, I think we were talking well we were talking last week about uh, the Ryan Murphy the visual aesthetic and the the stark color palette Utopia definitely had that going for it the bright colors the comic book aesthetic and and the story was just like it was something you don't really see on British TV no. it, it felt very otherworldly
1: and I will be honest with you because this is my platform for honesty. I wasn't one of those people who said, oh, the Americans shouldn't remake it. I was quite excited.
0: I by the don't idea. think I was either.
1: No, and I... I was Go quite on. excited by the idea of a US remake because I thought they would just make it louder and brighter and brusher and, and quicker and firing on all cylinders and turned up the volume on. And their version is the complete opposite of that in a way. It would surprise me. Were you able to go into this with fairly open mind?
0: I was trying to. I suppose a little bit of housekeeping is that this has been sort of touted for a while, hasn't it? It was initially yeah. David Fincher, I believe, was, was the, the person who was was, was going gonna, to be involved. Yeah, and, and it was going
1: to be at HBO initially yeah. with David Fincher. And they actually, parted I... company because he wanted mm. more money to spend on it. And uh, HBO basically said, no, uh, we can't have that.
0: And there was also a completely different cast that was signed up, including Rooney Mara, Eric McCormick, Agnes Dean, oddly. There was a completely different castle of fish, and I wonder if that would be a little bit different. I, I mean, I don't think if you know the source material that you can go into something with a completely open mind you know i was mentioning last week about talking heads and Mm. how people were comparing the old version with the new version i think with a show like utopia which is so special at least to us that you you are comparing certainly Mm. what have they done similar what have they done different what have they kept and in the case i I mean i'll do a little bit of of setup shall i uh, go ahead in terms of this so both the series of utopia are based around the fictional comic book of the same name which was uh, created by a gentleman who was writing about the story of a scientist and his daughter jessica hyde people think it's spelling out things that will happen in the future or it's got Answers to questions they want to ask, and I couldn't for the life of me remember how in the initial one, you know, how the how they find the comic book in this version. It's a couple who move into her granddad's house, was it? Her granddad.
1: Her granddad leaves at this house. Yeah, and it's a right state, and they find the comic amongst. Mm-hmm all of his belongings they don't really understand the origins to it and they just try and sell it within a comic-con setup which is the
0: which is the difference isn't it this comic-con thing all the sort of the some the ensembled characters who most of whom are created from the british version so we've got Mm. ian becky wilson And Grant, as well as a new character Samantha, who is sort of almost the link between all of these people. They communicate via a group talking about the previous comic dystopia, and then when Utopia is found, they all agree to go to this comic con to bid on it. And Samantha's going to give the biggest bid and and try and get it. Grant, like it is in the in the UK version, they think is a a, an adult, but is a child. I think he's
1: a. Uh, fashion photographer yeah um, okay and he's a young lad
0: and and again that's that's very similar to i suppose the biggest difference in the first episode was that the events happen at a comic-con so there's a lot more humor to be had and when the violence comes the body count is higher and mm. um, by the end there are there's rb who was neil maskell's character in the original and his associate who go around trying to find utopia and basically killing almost everybody apart from our primary players who have actually seen the comic mm. and um, from there jessica hyde appears and tries to help them uh, escape the clutches of these yeah. uh, assassins i suppose let's talk about this first episode first and what we were what we what was sort of what we like it's a bit
1: like you last week with us with us having read it you couldn't look at it no, I
0: don't think you can, and I think an interesting question is, would you have felt differently had it not been a remake?
1: Let's talk about the things yeah. that they didn't do that I wish they'd done. So okay. the colour palette that was stunning and so instantly utopia and instantly memorable isn't there at all, apart from the yellow bag that our two villains carry around. Everything is quite beige, quite muted, it's not as visually stunning to look at. The characters don't feel as well drawn either. They feel quite thin to me. And it took a while to get going. If I didn't know what this was about and where it was going, I may have mentally checked out earlier than I did, but obviously we have the hindsight of that. It wasn't particularly gripping. It didn't feel you know, the the episode was longer than the first episode of our original and it really Not by felt, much though. Really. Not by much, but it, it just felt like a bit of a slog until Mm. you got to the violence i enjoyed the violence because that's what felt (laughs) like utopia the rest of it was quite slow and and took a while to get going
0: it held my attention a little bit more than i think it did you by the sounds of things I think the performers they chose were an interesting bunch. I really like Dan Bird. I'm glad to see him on He played Ian. And actually, the girl who played Becky as well, Ashley Lathrop, who I've not heard of before, um, and I thought she did a good job here. I think for me, and you you mentioned the violence, and I saw Alan Seppinwall, who's one of your favourites, mention yeah. that he just found the violence far too much. I think the difference between the violence in our version and the violence here was that a lot of it was almost played for laughs and there was a lot more mm. of it. Because we had this Comic-Con set up and we had Arby and the other and the other guy whose name, sorry, I can't remember, basically shooting every single person at this Comic-Con and it was done for sort of... They
1: had, had a musical accompaniment yeah. and they... Somewhere in costumes, humorous yeah. costumes, and
0: mm. yeah. And then into the second episode where, and I can't again, I can't remember. I think they did call Wilson. Wilson live with his dad, I think, in yes, the, in the in first one. And yeah. did they kill? On Instacart, I can shop a huge selection of pet supplies, from that one brush that scratches him just right, to that extra comfy bed he can't wait to flop down in. And I get everything delivered right to my door in as fast as one hour. Okay, 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 settle down. I know it's here. Yes, yeah, very exciting. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get a free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Tis the season for chicken fingers and Raising Cane's. Warm up with cooked order chicken fingers, crispy crinkle cut fries, Texas toast, and the real source of holiday magic, cane sauce. Happy holidays from Raising Cane's Chicken Finger. One love. <laughs> him in the similar way that they yes. um, gassed yeah. him the violence there felt a lot bigger and a lot different than the vo- the violence in our version when it happened was quite shocking and i think they tried to recreate the moment in the second episode where wilson has his eye removed mm. which is like one of the key scenes which you know, if you are scene. uh ah, which if you are going to keep in if you are going to remake this, sorry, it is something that you are going to keep in because that is sort of integral to, to the character of, of Wilson.
1: What it didn't have is it didn't have our level of intrigue. Do you mm. remember that opening sequence where LB and his mate go into the comic book store and they're just repeating, where is Jessica Hyde? Yeah. And they, yeah. they slowly sort of gas everybody in that establishment. As a viewer, you're like, what the devil's going on? Who are these people? You feel uncomfortable watching it, nervous watching it. There's a sense of unease. And this was very point A, point B, point C. There's never that utopia atmosphere where you're never really sure what you're watching. Dennis Kelly's script was always a step ahead of you. Yeah. And this was like going on a journey with them from the start to the to the finish. And I didn't enjoy that as much.
0: And there was a lot of expository dialogue. So I think, I mean, I wanted to talk about uh, Sasha Lane as, as Jessica Hyde because I really like Sasha Lane and she was in a film called American Honey, which I don't think you've seen. No. 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 And I, I was interested because the first episode ends the same way our episode ends with I'm Jessica Hyde and, and mm. her coming into it. I didn't feel that she was right for the role. You no, know, I, I think agree. Th- Fiona O'Shaughnessy was a lot more captivating, and Sasha she's Lane... Other,
1: she was otherworldly, Fiona Yeah, Rose.
0: Sasha <laughs> Lane is a good actress, but he's good at playing like vulnerable characters, and I didn't feel she had that leadership quality, that believability that she's been living off-grid for years, and, and yeah. has re-emerged because Utopia has,
1: has appeared again. That is a tough again. character to get right. Yeah. You've got to be warm and cold at the same mm-hmm. time, and you've got to be otherworldly but believable... You've got to have a, a panicked side to you. It's a really I, and I think
0: she's just person. a little bit
1: too young
0: for me, anyway. Because her and and Arby are, are meant to be of a similar age. And, and and while we're on it, as well, the the performance of Christopher Denham as Arby, I found very hard to get a handle on because Neil Maskell's performance is very childlike in mm. in our version, and he's they got made the... him
1: look like Neil Maskell, and he does look like him visually. In terms of haircut and stature and all of that, but there's he hasn't got that, that sort of air of menace about him, is, is missing. I think he has,
0: he's got an I, I would disagree with that to an extent. I think he's got the air of menace, but he hasn't got like the childlike quality. You no. know, Neil, Neil Maskell had a certain walk to him, he, you know, the, the sure. funny. Gate that made him different the character different than the character seemed very very as i say very childlike because he and jessica both as we know certainly in the, the as characters in the British one didn't have that childhood and spoiler alert they are siblings <laughs> sorry folks they d- i mean they might not do that it might be different yeah. in this version they might not be siblings uh, they are siblings in the British version i suppose the other thing that i wanted to mention was in e- when we get on to episode 2 there are two characters that are introduced that weren't in the original version mm. and that intrigued me i don't know enough to continue watching but to see what they do because First of all, I suppose they've got rid of the character of Dugdale yeah. and he you know, was this politician who was having an affair uh, and that was all set up with the people behind the assassination, which we still haven't met yet, like the network and if they're going to do no. that sort of thing. In the place of, I suppose, away from this main story, we've got John Cusack playing Dr Kevin Christie. He was a geneticist or a biologist yes. who's now created this totally organic meat substitute, which is being linked to these flus that are killing off school children in in different areas of America. And then we've got Rain Wilson playing a character called Michael Stearns, who is a scientist who discovered a strain of of flus Mm -hmm. seven years ago and is now sort of whistling away in a laboratory in a university. People have forgotten about him. But then it seems that this new strain of flu looks very similar to the one he discovered. It's got like a T-shape on the forehead. And actually, both of those storylines were very intriguing to me because it was something new. It's an odd balancing act, I think, in remaking a show that you want to... Get that inbuilt audience who are like me and you going to go back and see? Well, what have they done differently? What have they kept? What is the context of this? And what they are doing to make their show seem new? And and you know, and they are two actors that I really like as well, which helps, I suppose. Mm. The
1: I would agree with you. That kind mm. of intrigued me, mm. and you could kind of turn off all your utopianness yeah. with them.
0: It feels like a different series, though, doesn't it? And I know, obviously, they're gonna combine the stories and shrink them down as they go on i mean i would like to see this series where john cusack's playing this scientist who's creating food that's causing flu and rain wilson's the scientist who's gonna save the day
1: it would (laughs) probably be on national geographic channel but (laughs) yes yes. i also wanted to touch on one of the things i always remember and you spoke of a lot in the early days of utopia was the score Mm. the sort of sound elements around it and this didn't really have any of that did it at least the first episode didn't have its its own unique no, sound the, atmosphere e,
0: e, the electronic sort no. of like really extreme sounds to add to that the, the whole as, as i said again i'm going to keep using this word the whole aesthetic that the uk version had i think what they've tried to do here is the, the american utopia yeah. i suppose yeah. is the the suburban lifestyle you know it's very soft lighting on these rows of houses and what's going on beneath the surface I suppose that's it isn't it is the the American utopia their idea is this two cars in every garage two up two down the normal family who should live here and but there's a lot of of, of other things going on beneath the surface and that's I think what they've gone for here and, and yeah. we should I don't know if you have have you mentioned that it was Gillian Flynn Yes, I did. Who's written this? We really liked uh, Sharp Objects, didn't we? Which was which was her book which she'd adapted, and she'd also done uh, Gone Girl as well. This feels like an odd thing for her to take on based Mm. on her previous. And she's uh, the only constant.
1: We know Mm. even when it was with HBO, it was going to be with her, I believe. So it's. She's stuck with it all the way through its various incarnations.
0: I think you needed someone like David Fincher, who directed Gone Girl, who has got that visual flair and that visual eye, and I think it would have been something different with with David Fincher. I mean, it did intrigue me, and I did want to watch the second episode uh, Mm. based on what had happened in the first, and based on the fact that the two characters who we promised, you know, John Cusack and Rain Wilson, whose names were both in the credits but weren't in the first episode, I wanted to see what their, how their characters interacted. One of the performances I will praise is is Javon Walton, who played Grant, because his story was actually completely separate from the rest of of the gang if you will and i thought he did a, a really good job you know there's that scene where he's trying to break into the penthouse suite and tries to convince the desk clerk that he's his dad and he's been yeah. left that was out my
1: and... most, that was the bit that i was most invested in mm-hmm. is the bit where he's messing around like richie rich in this penthouse or home alone, home yeah, alone
0: and... too, lost in new york that's what that was
1: uh, and then everything goes wrong and he's forced to hide behind this screen and he, was, he witnesses all the violence but is able to escape with utopia that felt like it's when it kicked into a gear that i hoped it would have kicked in sooner and also i wonder it's ironic that the amount of time it's taken to come to screen it happens to land during a global pandemic yeah, when it's yeah, talking about
0: thing. you know the killer flu isn't it and and i think they do flash up a any similarities to current events are coincidental or whatever and we do not you know want to upset anyone
1: yeah so i wonder how many people would just put off by that being the kind of mm. backdrop as well and just thinking this is too close in a way to what we're living through and i don't want to be thinking about scientists and laboratories fiddling about with dna and coding to get us another flu so maybe it's that it didn't have the pizzazz that i thought it would have and that was a disappointment not the worst out of TV I watched. No, this week. no,
0: it kept a pace for me. I I wasn't bored, and I watched the first two episodes. So there you go. But I, I mean, I think it's something that that you have to decide for yourself, really.
1: I would still urge people if they want to see you, I would still urge them to see ours. Mm. But this is far easier if you are an Amazon subscriber.
0: Uh, And again, I don't know if we mentioned this, is that it never got its finale to Utopia. You know, Dennis Kelly, I think, asked if he could do like a one-off or a two-parter because he had the ending in mind and we never, ever got that. Mm. So it's one of those that sort of unfinished a a show that was cancelled before the creator got to show his vision for the end. So that's a bit Mm. of a down note to
1: end (laughs) on. Well, that was the one thing. I, I wanted to like it so that I could see... What their version of the ending was, it might mm. give me a, a degree of closure, but I don't like it enough. I spent a lot of the time while we were talking about it today thinking I really would like to go back and watch. Yeah, the me too. Utopia. Yeah. Me too. Have you
0: told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go.
1: No, it's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear.
0: This is the Custard TV podcast. Good. The last drop from thecustardtv.com.
1: Uh, next up, we'll go to a channel we don't talk about often, Alibi, and we'll do the other US drama we're discussing, which is Evil. As I mentioned at the start, it's co-created by Robert and Michelle King, the minds behind The Good Wife. This stars Katia Herbers as Christian Bouchard and uh, Mike Coulter, formerly of The Good Wife, and also Luke Caged. Lamond uh, on...
0: Bishop he was, wasn't M- he? Yeah
1: on Netflix, this is them pairing up as a sceptical female clinical pathologist, and I am reading this, joins a priest in training and a blue collar construction worker as they investigate supposed miracles, demonic possession and other extraordinary occurrences to find out if there's a scientific explanation or something truly supernatural at work. So this first episode sees um, Kristen, yeah, meeting up with a serial killer to decide how he killed all these women that he's stabbed and mutilated. Then Mike Coulter's character gets involved to say, well, we think he's actually possessed by this demon. And they speak to him, and she's, as it says, very sceptical about this, but he's won over. And then when they get deeper into it, she starts feeling the supernatural is against her and is visited by a demon in her night terrors this wasn't the show you were <laughs> expecting i guess when i had
0: an idea but it was still very odd and, and interesting it's it's just where would you get this idea from <laughs> it just seems like
1: i don't know let's play a quick game which we might play again later on in the podcast what do you think i thought of this
0: I don't think you got on with it because you don't like things that have got this sort of otherworldly elements to it.
1: Until the demon <laughs> that visited in the, in, her in the night. I quite enjoyed that. It felt completely different to anything we've not only watched, but anything we've ever reviewed on the product. I don't think we've ever discussed... You know, if we were on in 2006, we would have talked about Sea of Souls, but we never... <laughs> <laughs> we never did that, the the, the the closest the BBC ever got to something like this. And I do think the, three, the trio of this sceptical woman, Mike Coulter, who plays it quite understated and quiet, and then this... As if Manby from The Daily Show. Yeah, and then him <laughs> as another sceptic who sort of goes round bursting people's bubbles who believe that they've had these supernatural experiences when really their dishwasher was overflowing or something ridiculous. I quite enjoyed it, but then it goes utterly bonkers.
0: This was the one I had to pause and go back to. Okay. Because yeah, I
1: just—it's—it's it's daft and it's ridiculous. But I quite I... enjoyed it until, until that point. I liked, yeah. I liked her. I liked her family dynamic. I liked. I it. I just
0: didn't. I just didn't get get on with it at all. Oh, and I, I I didn't warm to any of the characters. I didn't. I I found her whole home situation to be bizarre.
1: Her she's home got, four, is weird. Four she's got four. She's got four.
0: children of the corn type daughters. Her husband is working as a sherpa in in Nepal, so she's essentially a single mother. She has help from Christine Latte as her mother, who is this leather clad biker chick. Um, <laughs> conditions 18 plus. sounded bizarre then you've got Mike to playing david acosta who is this priest in training who's decided to form as you say almost like this ghostbusters type group or mythbusters perhaps mm. that are are busting the myths of, of like the demons and they the setup at the end is we're going to expose a miracle this time folks are you going to come with us uh, and as, as you say then when it gets to the bit where we're trying to work out is it a demon or is it a nightmare And it turns out, as you say, it's a nightmare that felt really comedic. And then the reveal was that because the guy who they are trying to expose as a fraud had stuff about the demon that she'd seen in her dreams. But it was actually a um, an evil um, occult expert played by Michael Emerson who had stolen notes from her therapist which again was completely... That
1: was very odd, wasn't it? And, very, and, very odd. and
0: surely she could have then got him arrested and that would have been the end of that character. You can't do that. You can't steal people's private notes. I that quite liked it
1: up until that point. And also, unlike Utopia, which I watched before this, I quite liked the direction. I liked all the... The murder spree was really well done and 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 Yeah, I get that. Like the
0: editing and stuff. Yeah.
1: I have no desire to watch any more. Uh, Yeah, it was just a bit of a mess. About 20 minutes in, it just turned into a complete mess. And the pilot was written by Robert and Michelle King, who have written some of the best hours of network television you will watch, and yet this is dopey.
0: And actually, the good fight, as I said, I've watched some more of. The case of the week stuff that they did in those latter episodes was really strong. And and, and this does have a legal framework to it. You know, to start off with, she's working for the DA's office as this psychologist who is trying to prove whether these people are fit for trial. The
1: insinuation is
0: that that demon character isn't going to be in the rest of the series that we've proved that but it's- I looked a...
1: I looked up on IMDB mm. and and they, he is. Oh, okay. And so, I, okay. I thought the same as you, and I was like, well, how are they going to? Surely that's it. And I was thinking, is there going to be a demon each week that mm. annoys her? And, but no, he's apparently in the first seven episodes. So oh, okay, okay. I don't know, I just could not believe that this came from this, the minds of—I mean, not everybody has to pigeonhole themselves yeah. into the And same actually,
0: thing. if you you know if you watch the Good Fight, they they have unleashed their crazy on that to an extent. You can see that they've got other things going on other than just this really well-made legal drama that was the Good Wife. The Good mm. Fight is got some really wacky ideas in it, you know. In terms of this, it, I think it just just gets away with being on you know like a standard network because the some of the stuff that the demon says to her and does to her and and some of the language they used it seemed very skating thin ice there in terms the, of
1: the family dynamic mm. i wasn't going to bring up and i'm glad you did it was the strangest family dynamic in the show all the kids looked roughly the same age mm. <laughs> they weren't you know they weren't stroppy teenagers they were all you know, could have been born within nine months of each other. and Three teens, hus- I suppose. The husband, for some reason, is a Sherpa, and I don't know whether that's going to play into it later on. But
0: Because they were both climbers, weren't they? That's what they were saying, that that's where they met, and then she had all these weird children.
1: Within eight months of each other. The final show, which is why the podcast is a day late, because we didn't want to put it out before we had a chance to talk about this show. This is life. Uh, which is the new Mike Bartlett, him of um, Dr. Foster. And what was He did something else. Oh, Press. Press and... Which I just absolutely...
0: Was the the town, was that Mike Bartlett?
1: That was the very first TV thing he ever did on ITV at the end of 2012, yeah. And for some reason that I can't fathom, except for Let's Bring In The Viewers, the BBC just keeps touting this as a Dr. Foster spin-off. Because it's got Victoria Hamilton. Hamilton in it playing the same character, even though she's got a different name. Yeah,
0: that's what I thought it was as well. You know, that that was my thing. That this is because this is how they had been promoting it. What mm. happened next to Anna from from Doctor Foster? She changed and then her name you, to and Belle. There, Yeah, and then in the first scene. You see her as, I think it's Belle Star is her name. There is a scene where a character says to her, you know, you've got a failed marriage and an alcohol issue, which were things that the character had in, in Dr. Foster. But apart from that, it's a completely different character, they, isn't it? Really?
1: They, they, they really want you to think of this as mm. the follow-up to Dr. Foster. I don't know if it is. I'm not I'm not convinced it is. It's the next thing he's done, but he depressed before this, so... I don't. I don't know.
0: They've completely changed the character, is what we're saying. The Victoria.
1: And Hammond how well plays. do you remember that character anyway? Because I don't. Really I remember, remember
0: her being a, a a very strong confidant to uh, to Tom. She was the only person he could rely on. You know, in that certainly in that second series. I suppose what you're saying is, of all the characters, she's one that had less of an identity. I suppose.
1: Mm, I was trying to remember who she was married to. I was trying. You know, does not matter. <laughs> So this is life. It's a new six-part drama written by Mark Bart. As I said, now, this is about a shared house in Manchester, which is divided into four separate flats. Which is the way things are in the country at the moment. Like
0: um, me, I'm, I'm in a house that's divided into six flats. So you know. And
1: is Alison Stedman your neighbour? Uh
0: yes, oddly.
1: Okay, good. <laughs> that makes no, it more no actually,
0: it's Larry Lamb.
1: Oh damn it, Alison Stedman. And Peter Davison, they're the older couple in one of the flats. Victoria Hamilton plays Belle, who is living on her own, but has a sister and niece nearby. Uh, Adrian Lester and um, Rachel, Rachel Sterling Zerling. are a couple. They they live in the flats, as does Hannah, Hannah the young pregnant girl who uh, lives with her partner and is expecting a baby. So let's just run with this a, through. With,
0: a, with another man, I suppose, is the, the thing there.
1: So, Alison Steadman. Um, and Peter Davis and they live together. The episode begins with them talking about that they're having a big party to celebrate her 70th. She is a woman who... A sort of, is her character. Yeah, she sort of wakes up one morning and decides she's unhappy with her life. Her husband belittles her a lot, even her children think she's a bit of a, a, a south case and, and sort of poke fun at her, and she's just sort of sick of it and unhappy, and she's not happy with turning 70, and the episode begins well, with I think, her...
0: I, I think for what you're saying, you, uh, just say the next bit you're going to say, and then I'll disagree with you. With
1: her thinking <laughs> of leaving her husband, and she literally bumps into an old friend in in the car, nearly runs her down when she's trying to pick her husband up from a hospital appointment. So that's the first story.
0: I, I, but I, I would disagree with what you're saying. I don't think she's thinking of leaving until she has that encounter with the old school friend and realises I haven't really done anything with my life and you're right, he is belittling me my children are talking down to me and I don't think, I get the impression mm. that she hasn't had that realisation until mm. she she meets the friend and and yeah, sorry, go on
1: and then there is Adrian Lester who goes on holiday without wife Kelly uh, and bumps into Cyra Troundry of, um, of No Offence, no playing a character called Syrah. I assume that's just for people who do podcasts so they don't have to remember the character name, so thanks for that Um, she sort of um, befriends him, and there's a bit of a twist in two cases there which I don't know whether we should go into greatly the the third story is of uh, pregnant Hannah, who recently coupled up with Liam uh, and is very heavily pregnant, but for some reason she meets up with the With the baby daddy, as I think the kids call him. Oh, yeah, me. (laughs) I've not wasted my week. I've been looking up youthful terms, and uh, has a surprising connection to him. They find out they quite like one another. Oh, and then Belle has her sister, played by uh, um, Alan Partridge's Susanna Fielding, uh, who is a recovering alcoholic and uh, schizophrenic, possibly. And well, no, wayward...
0: she's... I don't think she's an alcoholic. I think Belle's the alcoholic, and she and oh, no, the sister's, got, men-
1: sister's got, got, mental got mental health mental issues. issues. Sorry. And yeah. she's struggling with her, her wayward child, Maya, who has been sent home from school for being disrespectful and angry, and she ends up knocking on Belle's door to say, can I live with you, because Mum's just gone into hospital. <sighs> now... I had assumed, completely assumption, me going in assuming, I didn't think these things were going to intertwine. I thought this was going to be a bit like clocking off all the street where we focused on one member of the household each week. But these stories do intertwine and the characters do converge and they do meet and they do speak to one another. All of those stories I speak of just happened in the first episode. I've said this before. I said it during press and I've said it during... I think even during Doctor Foster, I don't like Mike Bartlett as a writer, and this bored the pants off me.
0: Can we reveal the thing? Because I think the thing in yes. this is key to a lot of what people yeah. are going to be saying about it after the fact, and this is going to go out after the episode is yes. aired. Yes. I am surprised because when we obviously both of us watched this on the previews, normally there would be a list of things you couldn't I got, reveal. I in got
1: that list by email, annoyingly, and which I had is to read. There yeah and
0: and the and the big reveal so turn off now if you don't want and, and skip to, skip to the end if you don't want to know but the the big thing here is in the earlier scenes you've got uh, Adrian Lester conversing with Rachel Sterling who's playing his wife he's gone on this holiday on his own that she's had to do something else as you say she, he meets Cyrus Chowdhury who flirts with him uh, and well. then and then turn and then it turns out that he, he's a uni lecturer and she's one of his students mm. uh, but the big thing that we learn when his character goes to uh, the gail's seventieth birthday party, um, and has a conversation with Bell. Is that uh, Rachel Sterling's character had actually died several weeks earlier in Even a bizarre in, in a bizarre escalator-related How <laughs> incident.
1: How many? people Perhaps it's bringing awareness because I didn't know people <laughs> died on escalators.
0: Could she not have just had cancer? I suppose that or, it was revealed that Peter a sudden
1: accident. heart attack yeah, or something. something.
0: It just seems like a bizarre thing for her. And and then it's the reveal that they were doing the Sixth Sense thing and that he was interacting with her even though she wasn't there and Mm. that he's guilty that he's attracted to someone else because his wife's just passed away.
1: Even Even though though their scenes were so terrible, they were some of the (laughs) worst in it. Cyrus Choundry and Adrian Lester have zero chemistry. The way they talk to each other is awful. She says something like, what can we do while we wait for me to dry off? And he says... There's there's a TV we could sit and watch it. I mean, for God's sake. I don't think
0: I minded this as much as you did. I think it it is again a as I said with us last week. It's a big BBC One prime time 9pm drama. Another mum, it's
1: another but mum show it's for another people show who for mums.
0: But. For a lot of people, this will be something, you know, they get home from work, 9pm, what's on BBC One? It's this drama. Oh, we remember her from Dr. Foster. There's things going on that a lot of people can relate to. The best performance for me came from Susanna Fielding. I really like those. I thought she did... Mm. An excellent job at portraying someone with mental health issues, and and the actress who played her daughter as well. And, and I, I I felt they were good. I, and as you say, the the characters interspersing, there being a lot of different stories at the same time, it really put me in mind. I I felt I was watching a K-melodrama. That's what it. What That's it, exactly
1: made, what it was. It made was, me feel like, and it was I would love be, lec- love yeah. and records and or what a brief encounters. Or-
0: I wouldn't have been surprised if at the end they found out that they'd won the lottery together or something, especially the story with the the young mum because that could have been lifted out of in the club
1: That was but, the weirdest story I've ever seen for a long time it
0: does, I it, it does happen you know, I having, know it does doing, happen but... Doing the job I do, I can tell you it happens a lot more than you would think
1: Yeah, but the way it was framed it was like, you didn't understand who the actual partner was, very little time spent with him, and for some reason she wanted the actual dad there when she gave birth
0: how i read it was that she wanted to include even though they weren't together and you got the impression it was like a one night stand i think she wanted her baby to know its father and i think that that's what i got from it he was a very sort of simple i think he was was he like an ocado driver or something he seemed very easy very simple so i think you meant to find him lovable and affable <laughs> so you won't be watching this again luke i'm guessing
1: I just think that it's so middle of the road, and, and yeah, it could have been a well, cable But people like middle of the road. I if you've been, do. if you have
0: a normal job, and mm. you've been working all day, and you don't want to watch something that is going to challenge you, like my mum, for example, wouldn't want to go home nine p.m. switch on and watch Des. She wouldn't. She'd rather watch something like this.
1: Why wouldn't she watch Des?
0: Because it's too, it's too hard. You know, it's about a serial killer. It's it's too hard going. A hard day at work. Doing something that is quite taxing mentally and, and you are dealing with a lot of serious real-world things. You'd rather watch something that clearly isn't set in the real world. As you say, are characters that are written. As, okay, as so, my,
1: so my counter-argument is that your mum and I, if we were to ever to be in the same TV room, yeah. we would get equal enjoyment out of Last Tango in Halifax. I'm yes, Eddie. yes. And this isn't Last Tango in Halifax. You could say all the same things about it. You could say it's gentle, you could say it's for mums, but, but I adore that show, and yet stuff like this I absolutely hate. So is that down to the writing? Is it down to I think the it's down to you. <laughs> well, no, it's not, because Last Tango in Halifax is much sharper. It's funnier, it's cleverer. I it's honestly, warmer. I
0: didn't mind this. I didn't mind this. I thought it was fine. The hour was by for me. I relaxed into it. I don't think I overthought mm. every single line of dialogue. I think that's what it is, Luke. I think mm. for you, you you've you got a tin ear for dialogue. <laughs> so whereas... I just take
1: that out of last week's podcast yeah. and slip it in? Yeah,
0: I know, I know I said that already. But you have, you've got a tin ear for, for sort of dialogue, that doesn't feel genuine whereas a lot of people that would just go over their
1: heads you know these characters could have been in, in any like i say about Kay Mellor's stuff she seems to put the same people in just different scenarios and i think you could do that with this you could put these people in a syndicate or in a love lies and records or in i in
0: i Prince. think it's a bit harsh love lies and records was absolutely awful I don't think this is on the same level of that, but this is on the level of a syndicate or an in the club. But people love those dramas and I think people are gonna like this as well. I think this is gonna be really popular. But I think if you're watching this with a critical eye, then it's gonna be different than if you're just watching as a as a viewer at nine PM, you're not gonna be watching it with the same critical eye, criticising every little bit of dialogue, every little bit of, you know, the characters, if they work. You are just gonna be wanting to watch something that is easy to watch is easy to follow you know the actors you know it's got alison steadman oh i recognize her or it's got yeah. adrian lester i recognize him it's got people that you know and it has got the people who are going to follow this from dr foster even though that character uh, the victoria hamilton isn't really playing the same character
1: all that you're saying is completely valid and yeah. i do i do agree but i also think that people of my sister's age my brother-in-law's age some cousins that are a bit younger maybe your brother and sister-in-law this is the sort of show that they assume the bbc makes and it doesn't mm. speak to them at all and in years to come if they're still making dramas like this then people will think what's the point of my tv life yeah just and, I, go, and, and, I, and
0: I would agree with you there but i think they are making these dramas for a, a certain audience who are an audience that are going to flock mm. to it. And I do actually think, I think the, the portrayal of mental health was well done in that story with Belle and her sister and the impact that it has on, on the, the children of parents who suffer with mental health. I think that was well done in that version of the story. And I think if you had that, I, I think the problem here is that it doesn't really, it doesn't. On, what,
1: are you so just, what are you doing then? I, I had to stand up for a sec.
0: Oh, okay. um, it doesn't really have the impact if you are doing four stories things will get lost I think that was my main issue that most of these stories could have been their own certainly I, I think won-
1: I wonder whether if they'd have done it the way I thought it was going to be and mm-hmm. I don't know why I had this assumption that we were going to spend an hour with Alison Steadman, and Pete Davidson I- an hour oh, with I'll a.
0: tell you Anderson. why I think you thought that in a minute
1: <laughs> then maybe they could have given more weight to the characters I found boring, mm. maybe.
0: Yeah, and I and I think maybe you thought that, because the promotional shot is them in separate squares, isn't it? Yeah, On a it's thing, all so. them. Mm.
1: It gives the impression that they're all in this one house, living their own lives, as it's called life, and, and maybe it was going to be character of the week, story of the week, which I know the bbc has done well to varying degrees over the years i i just don't know i i get all your points are valid i, I mean think... i didn't
0: i didn't love this and i don't know no, again I... like with us if i'm going to go back to it but for an hours entertainment an hours drama mm. flew by for me i enjoyed it i thought for the most part I thought it was well performed you know you've got a reliable cast
1: I mean the BBC well, all broadcasters not just the BBC all broadcasters have got a difficult job on their hands of keeping what the what the traditional TV watcher wants which is your mum my mum and people a lot younger but then they've got to compete with people who say all the good stuff is on Netflix which I also don't agree with no So I don't quite know, we've spoken about it endlessly, how you get the balance right. And I don't know the answer to that at all, and I don't think many broadcasters do. But I don't think that any of the BBC's offerings so far this autumn, us and this one, they could just be the same show, really. They could just take Alison Steadman and Peter Davidson out of life and put them in us, and that would probably work the same. So... They've got a tricky game on their hands as to how to speak to different audiences, and I just don't think these two shows are a good example of doing that. I think they're very middle of the road, very much targeted to one specific audience. And
0: well, no, I don't think it's one specific audience. I think it's a mass. It's a mass audience. It's a mass audience of people. Uh, you know, as you say, of an age, but they are the mass. The mm. the audience who primarily. Or watching TV, we'll we'll switch we'll yes. s- switch on the TV at say we'll switch on the nine. TV at se- oh no I was going to say switch on the TV at seven p.m. Watch the one show, watch the soaps, and then what's on at nine on BBC or ITV.
1: Yeah,
0: that is the routine for yeah. uh, a part of uh, 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 at least one generation of society yeah. of if not two generations. And then you've got the younger yeah. generation whose whose schedule is when they get home what's yeah. on netflix and for us yeah. we are picking and choosing from we're, we're straddling the
1: both which the, the point of the podcast is to look at the new offerings each week and mm. the hope is that there's at least one show a week that we can champion last week i really loved des a bit more than matt did it's not my job to worry about the next generation <laughs> of, of tv license payers or, you know, ITV advertisers.
0: Playing devil's advocate, you know, the BBC did have I May Destroy You earlier this year, which was a completely different beast, and played to that younger audience.
1: And they did it with normal people, but my yeah. argument my argument to you there is I don't believe that I May Destroy You or normal people would have aired on the BBC at the times they did had COVID not played a plan and they had to mess around with the schedules. Okay, Cause, I... Because I... us... Both of these shows we talked about, Us and Life, were both meant to be on when Normal People was on, and they just thought, we've got nothing for the autumn, we'll we'll hold these back, they're done, they don't need any more work doing to them, and we'll put these things that were supposed to be online on the iPlayer on TV. As it was, they showed it across Monday and Tuesday nights, which I don't think was the plan. And no. it certainly wasn't the plan to show double episodes of Normal People on Monday nights at 9 o'clock. No. And I still don't know ratings-wise whether that did well for them or not but it was certainly it ripped my argument to shreds about them not looking for young people but again that was a response to what have we got that's done and what have we got we want to keep for the time when when i suppose
0: depending on um how those did that will i suppose inform their decision going forward when things get back Mm. to sort of an even keel whether they will put bbc3 things on in prime time slots or stick to things like us and life where it's it's more of a safe bet you know mm. as you say like your death in paradises and your silent witnesses and things like that i suppose the the outlier is line of duty which sort of appeals across the it board it straddles
1: the board yeah my my folks love that younger people love that and i don't know how many of them any broadcasters got i think ITV thought they had it with Broadchurch, which is why they kept banging on the doors of Chris Chibnall, but ultimately they didn't. I don't know what the next BBC drama is to come after Us and Life, but if it's another one like this, then I, I think I'm again without interest, because it just feels like something that Kay has written that could be on any, any year, you know, could have been on in the year 2000, it still would have felt old-fashioned and, and not contemporary. Yeah, life on BBC One Tuesday nights. I'd love to know actually if people listen to this. Am I just ridiculous? Do you agree with Matt? Do you are you one of those people that turns on the TV at nine and watches because you don't want to change the channel? Or are people even watching TV? Are people looking at what they've recorded on the Sky Box from weeks ago? But I'd love to know if you just want to, If Matt is right, if Matt is describing you as just somebody. Who finds well, do this? Think
0: so. What I'm saying is that, that people have a certain, a lot of people anyway, have a yeah. certain schedule that they work around. People who work 8.30 to 5, whether it be switching on Netflix, switching on the telly. For me, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll normally You're be neither.
1: watching.
0: Yeah, I'm <laughs> neither, really. I'll, I'll normally just find a series and watch it from beginning to end. And some people do that as well. Luke, you being an outlier because you just watch TV all day. Uh,
1: really not all day <laughs> that's your, I sleep a lot that's your but that's your you
0: know you, it's your job to know what is yeah. going on on tv is what i'm saying yeah. basically so that is your focus but the people who who for who tv is a a, a distraction. distraction or not a distraction i suppose like a pastime you know it's not something that overwhelms them their life what they do you know and I used to be sort of more on your side of things obviously now working an office job 8 30 to 5 I you know you talk to people and people have got different things whether yeah. it be you know watching what, and a, a lot of people are starting to find normal people now months oh, after wow. it. <laughs> and and I was having a conversation with one of the girls who it's very... I think she's like 24, 25, and she didn't realise... She'd been watching appropriate adult and didn't realise that it had been on years and years ago.
1: No. No. Well, that's fair enough. There's obviously a, a reason why the BBC... And the, the fact that they've promoted this as from the makers of Dr. Foster, a follow-up to Dr. Foster. They're looking to that audience, and I mm. feel like that audience is immediately going to feel...
0: I think Dr. Foster had a more... Again, I think that was a diverse range of people because of its sort of almost, like, melodramatic nature. I think people from all generations did watch that. I don't think it was exclusive to, say, like, a middle-aged, middle-class demographic. No, which I, I agree, think, but I don't... Think, think I, don't I think they're pitching life this
1: is a, yeah. I think life isn't going to appeal to the same people that Doctor Foster appealed to. I I don't believe so. Anyway, um, anyway, we're quite on the fence about that one. So eight o'clock, <laughs> uh, nine o'clock, Tuesday, BBC One. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you on the email custardtvreviews at gmail dot com. If you want to send us a tweet, you can do that either at custardtvpod or to one or both of us at Luke Custard TV for me and at Matt TV for matt i'm not here next week i'm away assuming the guidelines don't screw me up i'm away next week so we're hopefully going to have matt with a guest on next week to discuss three maybe i'll have like
0: like five guests and we'll have the rule of six
1: yes (laughs) well we could do that on the podcast as well yeah (laughs) That is it. We'll be back soon with more. And by the way, please support and visit the website that this all stems yeah. from, and which is thecustomtv.com. Yeah.
0: Rate, review, subscribe as people say on, yes, on proper podcasts.
1: Yes, on, on, on podcasts <laughs> with meaning and thought. Yeah, subscribe and rate and give us a review and let people know. Yeah, because it would be exist. nice
0: to see what, but what, what, No, and it would be good for us to see what you like and what you don't like and things yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, be great for my self-esteem Matt. Okay. <laughs> Bye.
0: See ya. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on
1: YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>